You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it, it, it's an awe-inspiring experience when you first see it. You've come down a, a series of windy streets from the top of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, looking over the old city with the quaint buildings glistening in the sun, the big dome of the, of the temple brightly shining in the sunlight. And you get to the base of the Mount of Olives, as I did uh, in 2001 on a beautiful sunny day, and there it is. The place where Jesus prayed that agonising prayer prior to his arrest and betrayal. The Garden of Gethsemane. It's a real place. It's right there in Jerusalem. And it's regarded as one of the really authentic of the sacred sites. It's an ancient olive grove. And, and the thing that strikes you above all else is the silence. Even though there were many tourists, everybody, irrespective of their faith, whether Christian or some other faith, they get a, a sense that this is a sacred space, a sacred place. Not a very big place, but a place where something dramatic happened. Something that went on to change the course of human history. And so that's the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's one of the many reasons why Christians, every Christian, should try at least once to get to the, uh, the country of Israel, to see some of these sites firsthand. It is truly a moving, marvellous experience. It was for me. It gives you a chance to reflect, to stand there at Gethsemane and just reflect on, on this moment in Jesus' life, to, to understand its significance, to offer a, a silent prayer of thanksgiving to God that Jesus Christ passed through his Gethsemane experience. But of course, friends, in our Christian walk, Gethsemane is not a location. It's an experience. It's an experience most of us will go through many times in life, depending on how long we live. Entry into the Gethsemane experience is via a number of doors. It might be the door of grief, loss, pain, rejection, Disappointment, anguish, loneliness, betrayal, despair. Our Gethsemane experience is any experience of life when we feel intense negative emotions. That's a Gethsemane experience. It may be born out of bereavement. It may be born out of a health crisis. It may be born out of a marriage failure. It may be born out of some major upheaval that just absolutely rocks the foundations of your world. That's a Gethsemane experience. Now, there are probably very few of us, I know of some, probably very few of us who've been to the literal, the geographical Garden of Gethsemane. But I know I've got your attention because virtually all of us in a group like this have had the Gethsemane experience. In some cases, many of them. In some cases, you're going through it right now. What's a Gethsemane experience like? Well, it's an experience of struggle, first of all. It certainly was for our Lord. It was an, an experience of intense struggle, a real, a real emotional, spiritual tug of war. On the one hand, Jesus knew that his messianic mission required him to go to the cross to pay the price for the sins of the world. But on the other hand, his humanity 
was desperately looking for an escape, of course. An escape from the agony of the cross. An escape from the humility and the shame. Look at our Lord's words to Peter and James and John. Uh, Verse 38, did you get that? Jesus says, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. And other versions put it in even more graphic terms. The sorrow in my heart is so great, it almost crushes me. That's a very evocative statement. You know, in some situations, you just wonder how much the human mind and heart and soul can experience, don't you? There are some experience, you just wonder how much can people take have you had moments like that? Where you've just wondered how much more you could take? Hardly a day goes by we don't see evidence of that on our television screens with the news, right? I mean, this week, the, the heartbreaking journey of some people trying to find survivors in that horrific mudslide in, in a fairly remote part of the United States where friends are looking for friends because the service... And the rescue industry is made up of locals and they're looking for friends and relatives. And you see the anguish on their faces. What about the families of the ill-fated Malaysian airline flight 370? Just kind of wonder how much people can take. We saw it a few weeks ago on the faces of Bruce and Denise Morecambe as they walked from the court each day having heard graphic details of the closing moments of their son's life. We see it on a massive scale with the reports coming out of Syria and Africa and, and other hotspots of the world. And friends, I, I sort of think myself, compared to that sort of Gethsemane experience, I'm not sure if I've already had a Gethsemane experience. I, I've had them, but not on that scale. And, and maybe you're thinking the same, but I, knew, I do know this. Some of you have had them on that scale because you have lost sons and daughters. You have experienced Horrific family upheavals. You have gone to the wall financially and you've wondered just how much can you take? And what do you do in the struggle phase of a Gethsemane experience? What can you do? It comes down to a choice, doesn't it? It comes down to a choice. You either totally give up with some of the dire consequences involved in that step Or you do as Jesus did. Look, there's a little verse which struck me for the first time this this week in preparation for the message. Verse 39, look at Jesus. He went a little further on. Isn't that powerful? So here are the disciples and they have a little chat with Jesus and then they stay. Jesus goes a little further on. Wow, that is significant. That's powerful. In the face of unspeakable anguish and pain, Jesus presses on, moves deeper into the struggle. That's what he does. Short of throwing in the towel, what else could he do? He was about to discover something else about Gethsemane. It's an experience of both support and strain. As he moved into Gethsemane, Jesus acknowledged right at the outset he would need friends. That's significant. And so he chose three, Peter, James, John. He's in a circle. The guys who knew him really well. And friends, in my pastoral experience, many people get on board when a crisis breaks. 
particularly in a church like Northside. There's, there's lots of support. There's practical support, food and transport. And all that happens pretty quickly. It's fantastic. And then there's prayerful support, of course. That kicks in right at the outset. And in some cases, there's financial support. But look, here's the thing. Generally, generally, it's only a very few trusted friends and family members, spouses, kids. They're the only ones who get to know the real level of indebtedness. They're the ones only who get to know the full extent of the medical diagnosis. They're the ones who get to learn about the real reason for the marriage breakdown. They're the ones who get the detailed circumstances surrounding the accident. It's just a a very few. These are the main support basis or the main support base. And, you know, there's a big responsibility on the shoulders of these people. And, And full marks to the three disciples for their willingness to at least begin the journey of support with Jesus. Full marks for that. Because, you see, the role requires faithfulness. It requires understanding. It requires empathy. It requires patience. All the things that so often elude us as as people. Jesus asked these guys to support him in prayer while he endured his struggle. Now, the prospect of support was there. Three guys, good prayers. But the reality was disappointing. (laughs) The reality was very disappointing. Verse 40, Jesus returned to the three disciples and found them asleep. Found them asleep. There's the strain right there. Okay, There's the strain. And friends, would you agree with me, not all of our friends and loved ones are going to rise to the occasion during our times of greatest need. Have you found that? I've found that. There's various reasons for this. Not all of our friends are going to rise to the occasion. There'll be the unexplained periods of no contact. We'll think, what's going on? Why haven't I heard from them? What are they thinking? Why aren't they reaching out? There'll be the momentary bursts of tension and frustration, particularly in the inner circle. And there'll be those careless, clumsy words that are meant to encourage. You'll be okay. Hang in there, brother. It's not as bad as it looks. Even worse, I had a relative who had this problem. Killed him. It was very serious. He died. You know, people mean well, but it comes out wrongly sometimes. Yes, friends, things will happen potentially to cause us great disappointment. There'll be the potential for strain and distress. There was for Jesus. There could be for us. There must have been strain this week for John Ellis. He's the man for whom Gethsemane has been the ongoing strain the ongoing effects of repeated abuse at the hands of a priest when he was a teenager many years ago. And, you know, I don't want this, this is not a personal criticism, but, you know, this week, Cardinal Pell, I thought, rather coldly and dispassionately read an apology to John Ellis, who reportedly was sitting only a few metres away from him. And and not once in the vision that we showed did the Cardinal even look at the victim as he read his statement out, which I personally thought was disappointing. An enormous amount of goodwill, an enormous amount of goodwill for the Catholic Church and for all Christians 
could have been there if Cardinal Pell had spoken with greater empathy and sympathy and at least looked up from his notes a couple of times. What a difference a warm handshake might have made. We're really sorry. Really sorry. Could I even suggest a hug or is that maybe that's too much? I don't know. But I tell you what, that would have gone all around the world. And it would have still got the criticism, oh, they just did it for the cameras. But I tell you what, that would have been a heck of a lot better than what did happen. Enormous amount of goodwill could have been invested into that, which has been a terrible Gethsemane for that man and so many countless others. Apparent support for the victim subtly becomes a situation of strain, further strain. It, it happened for Jesus. It can happen to any of us. What was the turning point for our Lord? The turning point came when he discovered another reality about Gethsemane. It's an experience of surrender. That's what it is. The turning point for Jesus, four words, verse 42 of the good news. Your will be done. Four words. Some of the versions have eight words. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Friends, that was the turning point. Surrender for Jesus was not an admission of defeat, waving the white flag, no way. He wasn't throwing in the towel or giving up, no way. No, for Jesus and for us, surrender in a Gethsemane moment is, is simply an acknowledgement that we do not have ultimate control over what is happening. That's the point of surrender. There are things happening. There are outcomes looming over which we have no control. And it's just a matter of, if it helps audibly, saying, God, I'm giving this to you. This is too big for me. I've got no way of controlling this crisis. It's over to you. Keep me vigilant. Oh, yeah. Keep me sharp. Keep me looking out for the ways that I can contribute in your strength. But beyond that, I'm handing it over to you. This is Paul. This is Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. I've learned to be satisfied with what I have. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learnt this secret. That's it. So that anywhere at any time I am content, whether I have too much or too little, whether I'm hungry, too hungry or thirsty, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Friends, that's surrender. I've learnt the secret. Whether I'm getting beaten up or whether I'm doing okay, if I've not got control, it's, it's in your hands. This is David in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because I've surrendered it to you. I've surrendered it to you, Lord. You're taking the fear away and I thank you for that. So, friends, surrender is that spiritual, or surrender rather in a spiritual sense, is finding that right balance between praying as though it all depends on God, but working and striving as though it all depends on us. And we've talked about that before. We saw this here at Northside um, during the, the journey to construct this complex. Six years, six year journey from beginning to end. And those uh, of my dear friends and colleagues who are on the committee will testify that there were moments. There were Gethsemane moments in that project where we were in trouble financially, couldn't get the money. We were having conflict with the developer. We were in a certain degree of uh, conflict with the, uh, the North Sydney Council over certain things we needed and wanted. 
And we got to a point where we would pray in the meetings, God, if you don't show up, this is not going to happen. We, in our, from a human perspective, we don't know exactly where this is going. All we've got is we believe you've called us to this vision. We believe you're going to, you're going to see it through. You're promised in your word. You, you, you acknowledge faith. You respond to faith. We're trying to show as much as we can. But it's over to you. If you don't show up, it's not going to happen. And we just had so many moments when the breakthroughs came, just miraculous moments which we uh, could testify to and will testify to progressively. For those of you who weren't here, just some marvellous moments when God's power penetrated through the darkness. It was amazing. Those of us involved will never forget it. So the turning point for Jesus, not my will but yours, but that only came after the struggle phase. It only came after experiencing both support and strain and then the point of surrender, and in that moment, Jesus discovered the reason for Gethsemane. That's what he did. In that moment of surrender, Jesus discovered the reasons why there are these moments in our lives when everything just seems to crash around us and we wonder how much more we can take. We wonder if we can press on, and God may even seem far away. Our Lord made the discovery that ultimately... Gethsemane is an experience of strength. That's what it is. These are the times, not necessarily sent by God, but certainly allowed by God. These are the times when we become stronger people. We need Gethsemanes to make us stronger, more resilient. Sometimes you don't realise that until long after the event. What about First Peter? Here's a man writing to people who were facing persecution. This is in the first century when the persecution had broken out toward the middle, latter part of the first century. And here's, first, here's Peter in his first epistle, and he's writing about struggles and trials. Guess so many moments. That's what he's writing about. He says this, Be glad about this, even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many kinds of trials you suffer. Their purpose, there it is, their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine. Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire. And so your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that it may endure. Then you will receive praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friends, there's the reason, which is hard to cope with sometimes, but there's the reason for the Gethsemane moments. My comments this morning may have you thinking back on a Gethsemane moment that you've had in your life, maybe many. It could be that you are sensing Gethsemane moments are looming. Things are getting pretty tough for you in some area of your life and you can sense a Gethsemane season is looming. And I know it's true that some of you are involved right now in your Gethsemane moments. You know about the struggle. Hopefully you know about the support. You may have experienced some of the strain, maybe experiencing some of that now. People letting you down, some surprising things happening. Hopefully you've found great encouragement in surrender. Hopefully you've found great encouragement in surrender. And if it isn't already becoming a strengthening experience, I'm praying that it will. I'm really praying that it will. Show me a strong Christian. Show me a mature Christian. Show me a wise Christian. Christian, and I'll show you somebody who's been through their Gethsemane moments. 
and they've come through stronger. Look at Jesus in the closing moments of Gethsemane. And I love the way Ronnie read this. Look at this, verses 45 and 46 of Matthew 26. Look at this. Look, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be handed over to sinful men. Get up. Let us go. Wow. Talk about resolution. Talk about courage. Talk about having acquired the strength to keep pressing through. Let's go. If that's what we've got to face, let's just let's just face it. Let's just do it. Why is Gethsemane so recorded in such detail in the Bible? There's a fair bit of detail there. Why is that so? It's to remind us that the Gethsemane moments are inevitable. But it is possible to press through because Jesus did. And all the promises that we know and love, particularly I will never leave you or forsake you, there is nothing that can ever separate us from God's love. These are the promises that kick in. Some of you got to put that, you put that to the test. You are putting that to the test. It's more than just words on a page. You're living it. You're breathing it. Press on. You will get through. Jesus Christ did. He's been there. He's done that. Let's bear in prayer.